Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, I am um, I'm so grateful that the Lord is raising up more and more people to be involved in uh, the Lord's call to the church to be um, caregivers to the fatherless and to those who are caring for the fatherless. And so um, doing so is, is part of our vision for becoming disciples who are um, merciful disciples, who are showing uh, care and compassion to the most vulnerable among us. And so part of, that's part of the way that we intend to make Christ known um, here, near, and everywhere around the world. And so for you this morning, um, I want to first of all just say thank you for joining us this morning. We are in the third and final week of a sermon series that we're calling Make Him Known, Refresh, where we are, and if you're joining us for really for the first time uh, today, or maybe the first time in a long time, you have come on a very unique and special Sunday for us. This is our Commitment Sunday, where we are as a church uh, publicly and um, collectively committing our, ourselves to participating in the Make Him Known vision that the Lord has given our church. And so that's why you all have on your seats these little commitment cards. Um, in fact, if you have one, if you don't mind, I'm going to just talk for a brief second about this. Um, you might want to just grab that and ha- have it ready to go. Uh, but I want to be very clear with you guys on these commitment cards, especially those of you who are new with us for the first time today. Um, you know, as I share a little bit about our commitment and our call to commitment, uh, I want you to really not worry about filling out this commitment card at all. Well, I'm just so glad that you're here, and I hope that if you're new, you pick up on the fact that we're a church who wants to know Christ and make him known in the world. Um, this is a, a midpoint for us in a two-year Envision initiative to make Christ known here, near, and everywhere. And so we're using these commitment cards to ask our regular attenders um, to either make a first-time commitment, if they've never done so before, to the vision, or uh, reaffirm a previous commitment that folks made last year. And so if you are a regular attender, um, just know that we're going to be turning these into these boxes in the front uh, later on in the service. And uh, if you're joining us online, again, so thankful always to have people joining us online every Sunday. But if you're joining online, if you go to ubcbeavercreek.com on your phone or on your laptop, you will see that there's a big orange banner right on the front of our home screen where it says, Make Your Make Him Known Commitment. And you can uh, look at the same information on the online card as we're going to look at in our uh, printed card. But today we are recommitting or committing ourselves to the Make Him Known vision that the Lord has given us. And like I said, this is the third week in our uh, Refresh series where we are trying to just keep that vision in our mind. Week one was about making Christ known here among the people in our church by committing ourselves to spiritual maturity and holiness and the pursuit of growth. Um, Week two was about making Christ known nearby in our community by believing the gospel and being ready to share it with those uh, who are around us. And today's focus is going to be on making Christ known everywhere uh, by declaring his glory among all people in all nations. And so that's what we're going to look at today as we open our Bibles to Psalm chapter 96. Psalm chapter 96 is where we're going to be today. Um, As you're turning there, let me just remind us about some basic things about the Psalms. Um, What we call Psalms, uh, that word Psalms really means songs. Uh, These words that we read in the chapters of the Psalms, these are really song lyrics, right? These were words that were written not only to be read or stated, but to be sung with emotion and heart and passion and uh, joy. And so today, as we look at Psalm 96, 
we're looking at a psalm that has a, a story behind it. In fact, almost all the psalms have some sort of a story behind them where God was working in some way in and through the people of Israel. And then the Israelite songwriters would, would write songs. And as they would come for various assemblies, they would sing these songs. So our psalms have a story behind them. If you want to know the story behind this psalm, you can go on your own and just read 1 Chronicles chapter 1 verses or 1 Chronicles chapter 1 all the way through chapter 16. We're not going to read all of that today, but basically what that would show you was that the people of Israel um, they longed for the presence and the power of God to be among them in their midst. And the presence and the power of God was represented by something called the Ark of the Covenant. So they treasured the Ark of the Covenant, they carried it with them where they went. But uh, through the course of a series of events, one of the pagan nations around them, the Philistines, actually took the Ark of the Covenant away from the people of Israel, and uh, the Lord used the, his presence and his power amongst the Philistines to essentially become a scourge upon them, and the Philistines said, we don't want this Ark anymore, and so they threw uh, a long, again, series of events that you can read about in First Chronicles. The Ark came back to the people of Israel, and of course, the people of Israel were thrilled, and they were rejoicing, and they were happy, and, and so David set up the worship of the Lord in, in the tent, the tabernacle, uh, in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. And this song that we're going to read in Psalm 96 is the same song that's written in First Chronicles chapter 16 uh, when the people came together to worship the Lord uh, once again. And so um, that's a little bit of the background of this song. Let's read Psalm 96 verses 1 through 13. The Word of God reads this way. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works amongst the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the nations be glad. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. As we start out looking at God's word today, um, what I really want you to see from these 13 verses, and I want, I want you to see the verbs um, the imperatives, the, the actions that are being called for in this uh, passage. So we're just going to overview these. If you look at verse 1 and 2, there's a call to sing. Uh, verse 2 also calls uh, people to bless his name. Verse 2, tell of his salvation. Verse 3, declare his glory and marvelous works. Verse 7 and 8, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Verse 10, say among the nations. So what I want you to see is that these verbs here are all verbs of proclamation, telling, declaring. And who does the Lord intend to have uh, doing all of this proclaiming and telling and declaring? 
The answer is he expects the people of all nations to do this. He says in verse 1, sing to the Lord who? All the earth. Verse 3, declare his glory and works where? Among the nations and peoples. Verse 7, ascribe glory to the Lord. Who's supposed to do it? The families of all the peoples. Verse 9, worship the Lord who? All the earth, right? This is a psalm that expresses God's desire for people in all the nations to join him in proclaiming his glory. And so today, we are going to look at these 13 verses in the chapter. And as we do, we're going to see that people are called, the nations are called to declare, de- declare his glory in at least three ways. We want to declare his glory as we see it first in his creation, second in his splendor, and third in his reign. In his creation, in his splendor, and in his reign. And as we consider our call as a church to make him known, to make him known everywhere, we must remember this, right? This is the call for us. To make Christ known everywhere, we must be committed to calling the nations to join us in proclaiming God's glory. As we want to make him known everywhere, we must be committed to calling the nations to join us in proclaiming God's glory. All right, so let's first look at the call to proclaim his glory as we see it in his creation. His glory in his creation. Verse 5 says, For all the gods of all the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. So what we can see right away is the psalmist is making this contrast between the God of Israel and the God of the pagan nations. He's saying, hey, compare the God of Israel to them. The gods of men, they're made, but the God of Israel is a maker. Man might be able to make little idols, but the God of Israel can make the heavens. And he's calling mankind to see that this glorious God, man, he, can, he, can, he is the, the God of creation. We see his glory there. Here's the truth. Everybody in this world who's ever lived can have a base knowledge of God simply by observing creation. Uh, we call this general revelation. It applies to all mankind, whether they believe in Jesus Christ or not. General revelation, we can know God through creation. Special revelation is that we come to know God even more deeply, and we, we learn the message of the gospel through scripture. That's special revelation. But general revelation, God reveals himself through creation. The apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 1, where he's talking about the sinful world and how men try to make excuses to worship themselves and worship other things. But he says that all men are without excuse. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they, all mankind, are without excuse. And that's the problem, isn't it, right? People are looking for excuses to not have to believe in God. If you have to believe in God, then you have to admit that he's God and you're not, and you must Bow the knee of your heart and worship him. So mankind is constantly looking for excuses and reasons to not believe in God. However, the scripture itself calls us that at a very basic level, all mankind can know that there's a God because we can see his glory in creation. Um, My family and I have been watching this uh, TV show called Alone. Uh, Maybe some of you have, uh, have seen this show. But on this show, what they do is they take 10 contestants, and they take them out to 10 uh, remote locations around the world, and each contestant is allowed to take a handful of survival items with them, and then they're left alone wherever they are to see who can survive the longest, right? What a challenge. Hey, go out there and live, right? (laughs) So you can make it. And so they go out there, and they have to deal with all sorts of severe weather and 
uh, wild animals and injuries, and, and they can tap out at any time by just using a satellite phone to call for help. But it's so fascinating to see how people deal with their situation while they're out there. So in one of the seasons, uh, there's this very angry, crass man named Larry, okay? And uh, he's, not a, he's not a religious Christian fella by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, my kids along the course of the way started to call him Sweary Larry, right? So, um, but uh, Sweary Larry is determined to win, and he, uh, I won't give you the spoilers and stuff like that, but he lasts a long time in this competition, and along the way, um, you know, people are just going without food, so he, st- he starts to starve. He can't get himself any food, and in one episode, he starts to, like, just emotionally break down. He starts to lose it. Everything's captured on film, and, uh, and finally, in desperation, right, here's this guy who really has you know, no, uh, no sense of God in his life, but he, he gets so desperate that finally he lays himself down over his bucket and he starts crying out to God, God, help me, please help me, God. All men are without excuse. His invisible attributes, his divine nature have been clearly perceived how in the things that he made. Psalm 96, this is what the psalmist means when he says in verses 11 through 13, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, right? So the psalmist is saying, like, let the the field and everything in it exult, right? To exult means to praise or to magnify. Then shall the the trees of the forest sing before the Lord, right? So the, the psalmist is expressing how creation declares and proclaims the glory of God. And I love how he uses the imagery of song. If you think about a, a choir, a choir has a myriad of voices, loads of voices. Some are bass, some are tenor, some are soprano, some are alto, um, all of which work together to provide this beautiful, powerful song. And you know what the message of Scripture is? Listen, the message of Scripture is this. Creation is like a glory choir. Creation is like a glory choir. The depths of the ocean sing bass. The clouds in the sky sing tenor. The flowers of the field sing alto. The stars in the cosmos sing soprano and creation is like a glory choir all the nations can see and hear and join in that song so we must call the nations to join us in proclaiming the glory of God as we see it in his creation that's the first call here here's the second call it's for us to join uh, call the nations to join us in proclaiming God's glory as we see it in his splendor in his splendor verses six through eight Say this, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So notice, I want you to see how the word ascribe is used here. It's used three times. That's the call for us. Ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. To ascribe is often translated as the word give. So some of you in your translations of, of Scripture, you, it may say give glory to the Lord or um, give to the Lord 
strength and glory. You've probably heard people say, or you've read in Scripture, you've heard people say, give glory to God, give glory to God. Um, What does that mean? What does it mean to give or to ascribe glory and strength to the Lord? Here's what I want to start out by saying. It doesn't mean that we give God glory and strength that he doesn't already have. Right? You and I, we can't give strength to an all-powerful God. We can't give glory to God in the sense of he's lacking some sort of glory in and of himself. Here's what it does mean. To ascribe glory to the Lord means that we recognize who he is and we respond appropriately. And the appropriate recognition and response may look like a myriad of things. We see it described here in the 96th Psalm in many ways. It may look like coming to worship, coming into his, hor- into his courts. That's why we should assemble day by day on the, or week by week on the Lord's day to give him glory and, and uh, honor him as our Lord. It's, it's described in Psalm 96 as singing in praise to him. Sing to the Lord, the scripture says. Um, guys, how much different would our singing be if we actually thought to ourselves, when I open my mouth and sing, I'm not just singing about the Lord, I'm singing to the Lord. I think it would radically change the way we sing. One of the responses that's described here is that we can bring an offering to the Lord. So part of rightly recognizing and honoring and responding to God is that we give back to him from the abundance of resources that he has given us. One of the responses of ascribing glory to the Lord is is telling of his salvation The psalmist says, when we go out into the world and tell the world about the gospel of Jesus Christ, these are all ways to ascribe him glory as we should. And we do so not because he's in need of it, but because it's our appropriate response. Lots of different ways to ascribe glory to the Lord. But one of the things that stood out to me in this text is that, you know, one of the other proper responses when it comes to ascribing glory to the Lord could be, it could be the response of, Trembling, trembling. Look what verse 9 says. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. So one way to appropriately ascribe glory and worship the Lord is to tremble before him. So I want to be very clear about this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't need to tremble before the Lord because you fear his wrath. Praise be to God, he's already poured all of his wrath for your sin on Jesus Christ at the cross. So you need not tremble before uh, God in a fear of his wrath. Rather, we tremble before him in recognition of his majesty. So we don't, we don't tremble like children with a, an abusive father who's afraid for dad to come home. We tremble more like if our dad was a king and our king entered into the courts of assembly with his people. He's close enough for us to Tell him we love him and give him a hug, but he's powerful enough for us to bow the knee and honor him as our king. And that's something like the psalmist has in mind. I don't know how you are, but it's something like that that I feel in my heart when we we sing songs like, All hail King Jesus. All hail the Lord of heaven and earth. It's something like that that goes on in my heart when we sing words like, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
It's a response to the splendor of God. He's beautiful enough to draw you close, but he's majestic enough to keep you humble. So we must call the nations to join us in proclaiming the glory of God, not just in his creation, but also in his splendor. And here's the third way we see in the psalm to join together in proclaiming the glory of God. We do so when we proclaim his glory in his reign, in his reign, in his rule, in his judgment. Verse 10 says this, Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. It goes down to verse 13, and and the psalmist writes, For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So God's people are to declare to the nations that our God reigns. And this was the message that Israel was to declare to the pagan nations Initially, and this is the message that the church declares to the rest of the world presently. The psalmist states this, our Lord is coming again, right? He will return. He will establish his kingdom. And when he does his reign, his government will be perfect. He will judge and his judgments will be righteous and faithful. He will reign and there will be no inequity no error, no injustice. He will be perfect in every way, and that will be so different than the rulers of mankind. Man, this, uh, it's been an interesting week politically, hasn't it? It's been interesting if you've been following American politics. If you're anything like me, you're watching the headlines, you're seeing the reports, you're tracking results. If you're also like me, sometimes you can come to the realization like, why do I waste all my time doing this? Like, this is, because honestly, there's a part of it that's like, you know, we've just, we've come to not trust human leaders, right? We've come to not trust kings. We've come to be cynical and skeptical. Why, and that's the question I started thinking about this week. Why are we so cynical of human governments? Here's why. It's because deep down in our hearts, we all long for a perfect government, And you know when that perfect government will be experienced? It'll be experienced when our God sets up his eternal kingdom on the earth. We long for the kingdom of God, right? We long deep in our hearts for righteousness and justice and goodness to rule. We long for a true and honest and loving king that we can trust. And you know what that shows in our hearts, guys? Whether we realize it or not, we long for God. We long for the Lord Jesus Christ to rule, right? We long for his kingdom to come. And here's the truth, and this is the stuff that we need to remember, especially during election cycles and political seasons. The kingdoms of men will come and go. Nations will rise and fall, and so will the United States of America. Leaders are made high and leaders are made low, but the Lord our God is coming again, and he will reign, and his kingdom will not be shaken. So church family, this is the message that the nations need to know. We we need to remember it here in America. We think things get tough here and things are questionable here and sometimes challenging and difficult. But what about the rest of the nations? What about in other parts of the world where soldiers right now, even today, are being forced to fight and go to war and kill people against their will? 
What about people in other countries as refugees being forced to flee their homes? What about citizens rebuilding from bombs and destructions that are going on all around their cities? What about parents having children who are being kidnapped by insurgent armies? What about children being forced into sweatshops and forced to do terrorist acts? Listen, the people of the world long for a good king. And the message of the church is this. We know him. We know him. And he's coming again. He's coming again. And when he does, we're going to want to be part of his kingdom. Guys, when Jesus came to the earth and he started preaching, what was one of the first things he preached? When you read the gospel accounts, one of the first things that Jesus said was this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus brings the kingdom of God. You want to know how God wants the world to function? Look at the changes Jesus brought to the world. You want to know how God wants people to live? Look at the life of Jesus. You want to know how God wants human beings to lead and rule and reign? Look how Jesus led. Full of power, full of love. Here's what we need to understand about Jesus as king. Yes, indeed, one day he will come in a cloud, but first he was born in a manger. Yes, he will indeed wipe away every tear, but first he wept over the loss of a friend. Yes, he will have everyone kneel to him, but first he knelt to wash people's feet. Yes, he will wear a crown of glory, but first he wore a crown of thorns. Yes, he will reign from his throne, but first he hung on a cross. And yes, he wants you to give your life to him, but first he gave his life for you. This is our King Jesus. He is a good and loving, all-powerful, sacrificial, loving leader. He's our King. And the world needs to know him. You need to know him. He came once 2,000 years ago to die for sinners, but he's going to come again to reign with the saved, and you are going to want to be part of his kingdom. So we must call all the nations, even the people who have not yet heard of him, we must call him, and we get the privilege of calling them to join us in, in declaring the glory of God that we see in his creation, in his splendor, but also in his reign. And so, church, that's why part of our vision is to make Christ known among people everywhere, among all the peoples and nations of the world. So before we close, let me share with you some specifics about how your participation in Make Him Known will, it'll help us reach people everywhere by doing the following things. First of all, it will allow us to fund more domestic and global missionary partners. It will allow us to fund more domestic and global missionary partners. Guys, one year ago when we kicked off Make Him Known, we had four official missionary partnerships. Over this past year, we've added 11. And Lord willing, through your giving, by the end of 2023, we'll be able to add five more. So these are people, missionary partners are people that we support with our prayers, with our communication, with our funding, and with the care of our mission team. Some of them are from outside UBC. Some of them are from inside our church, and now they've gone elsewhere to serve the Lord. And here's what I believe, and here's what I hope happens as the years go by in our church. I believe the Lord is going to call some of you to be missionaries. You know, 
God called the missionary Jim Elliott to the mission field when he listened to a sermon on Psalm 96. Maybe the Lord will do the same for some of you. Maybe he'll confirm it in your heart today. But church family, when God calls us to support someone on the mission field, we're able to do so by the generosity that God puts in your heart to give towards Make Him Known. So your support of Make Him Known funds are missionary partnerships. Your giving to Make Him Known also allows us to reach people everywhere by, here's the second thing, supporting our mercy ministries for the needy and the vulnerable here and around the world. So let me just give you a few examples of how your giving is being used for mercy ministries. Um, We give to a ministry called Mission Dignity. Mission Dignity is a ministry that helps provide financial support for ministers, widows who are in financial need. So many pastors around the world don't pastor in affluent areas where they have the income and the resources like we do to be able to set our families up, um, you know, after, after we die. So our church gives a part of your giving to help support pastors around the world who don't uh, have the ability to do that for their wives. We support a local organization called Feed the Creek. Feed the Creek provides food for food insecure children and families right here in our city based off the recommendation of uh, school officials. Uh, We use the funds that you give to offset the cost of Christian counseling. As you know, Christian counseling can sometimes be very expensive, and we have very um, good partnerships with several organizations in this area that um, we use, um, to, we connect people to uh, whenever they're in need. Some of your giving is used for the establishment of new ministries like you just heard about today, about the called to care ministry in which we are mobilizing UBC people to support foster and adoptive families and to care for the orphan. These are just a few examples. There's many more, but your support of Make Him Known funds Mercy Ministries. Your giving to make him known will also allow us to reach people everywhere by doing this, by helping us establish future church planting efforts. I want to be very clear with you. Our intention isn't just to build new buildings and keep adding on here. If the Lord keeps bringing people and and keeps growing our church, then yes, we're going to be as big here as God wants us to be. But I know for sure that one of the things that the Lord has burdened my heart with is that we're also sending people out. Our intention is to start planting, preparing people to plant churches over the next 18 months. So just like we've started a missions team, just like we've started a Mercy Ministries team, we want to do the same thing and start a church planting team. My prayer is that we will be a leading church in our area when it comes to funding and going and supporting new church plants, whether domestically or globally. And Lord willing, I hope that we will be ready to send out our first group by the end of 2024. So your support of Make Him Known funds our future church planning efforts. And church family, these are just some of the like missions and mercy ministry efforts. And, and we're involved in so many more, right? But all of our missions and mercy efforts are done for one reason. And that is to make Christ known here, near, and everywhere. So to see him made known everywhere, We must be committed to seeing his glory declared among the nations. We want the nations to join us in declaring his glory in creation, his glory in his splendor, and his glory in his reign. So we're about to enter into our time 
of commitment for the Make Him Known initiative by turning in our commitment cards. So if you have one, again, you can just take it out now. If you don't have one and you would like one, um, you can just raise your hand. If there wasn't one on your seat and you don't have one, you can just raise your hand. And we have ushers uh, throughout the building that can give those to you. So just keep your hand up. If they see you, they'll give you one. If you're joining online, again, you can go to ubcbeavercreek.com. And you can, again, just click the orange banner that says fill out a Make Him Known commitment card. And you can follow along with us there. But as you're doing that, as you're looking at your card, let me just remind you of our high-level goals First of all, what did we say last year, church? Our first goal is to honor God. If we raise funds, if we start new ministries, but we lose our honor of God in the midst of it all, it's a failure. So we want to honor God. We want to please him in this process. Our second goal is to see all of UBC engage. Every one of us doing 100% of whatever God calls us to do. And our third goal is to raise $4.5 million over the next two years for ministry here, near, and everywhere that you can read about at the top of your commitment card. At the bottom of your card, you can see that there's a difference between the left side and the right side of the card. Uh, The left side is for people who filled out a commitment last year. The right side is for people who are making a first-time commitment this year. If you've been here in the past couple weeks, then, you know, you've heard me describe all this. I'm not going to go through it all again. If you haven't been here the past couple weeks, you can just read the prompts and the instructions, and follow along. And let me just say this as well. Um, If you made a commitment last year and you kind of forgot what it is and you don't know how, you know, what your pace is and where you're at, uh, you can always scan the little QR code on the back of your commitment card and that will, you punch in your info and it'll give you your giving status. And I want to reiterate, if you're new with us today, please don't feel any pressure to join in this. Um, We're just glad you're here. And we hope that you see that our vision of of our church really is to make Christ known in all the world. And so now what we're going to do is we're about to play a video, really encouraging video testimony from a family who's not part of UBC, but they are connected to our church in a special way. And during that video, you can actually just go ahead and fill out your card, grab a pen, fill it out right now, whether you're at Maine or at East or whether you're listening online. And when this video is done, I'll come back up and give you some instructions on how we're going to go and turn these cards in. But you can go ahead and start filling them out right now as the video plays. Hi, I'm Tim Knight, and this is my wife, Pam. We live here in Fairlawn, Ohio, which is just outside of Akron. And we wanted to take a few moments to share with you how we got to know University Baptist Church and how we became involved in your Make Him Known campaign. Our son, Justin, started attending Cedarville University as a freshman in the fall of 2018. We were happy when he decided to attend UBC early in his freshman year. And we were happy about that because UBC is such a um, Christ-focused church with Uh, good, sound, uh, biblical teaching. You discipled him, you gave uh, him internship opportunities, and also a uh, part-time ministry position that really helped to encourage him and develop him and prepare him for vocational ministry. Then, in his senior year, you also welcomed his fiance, Gabby, uh, into your congregation, and then Pastor Jason did provide marital counseling for them to prepare them well for marriage and then he did marry them uh, this past august so um, we are just so grateful 
and thankful for how you welcomed both of them uh, into your church and congregation and just really um, made Christ known to them. So Pam and I started hearing about your Make Him Known campaign from Justin shortly after he returned for his senior year in the fall of 2021. It wasn't a campaign pitch or anything like that. Justin was simply sharing his excitement for UBC's commitment to share the gospel message and transform lives through uh, Jesus Christ. Um, frankly, his excitement about Make Him Known was infectious to Pam and I. I think we were especially excited because we had seen, in a very personal way, uh, the impact that UBC, its staff, the pastors, lay leaders, and congregation had made first on our son Justin and then uh, on our daughter-in-law. So we began to pray and ask God's uh, help in discerning whether our family should make a commitment to your Make Him Known campaign. We were certainly feeling God's urging in that direction when I received an email from Pastor Jason inviting us to join the campaign and providing some details on its objectives and goals. Um, honestly, we had to chuckle. Uh, we had gotten to know Pastor Jason a little bit just through some correspondence, and we just took his message as another way of God urging us to join your campaign, almost like, what else do I have to do to show you the impact that we're having here uh, by making him known, uh, sharing Christ and the gospel message to these college students in this community. Uh, so we joined uh, your efforts and became part of the campaign uh, as well. And that's how a couple that lives in Akron that's not a regular attender uh, became a partner with you uh, in this effort. But I would be remiss as we closed out our, our story of how we got to know UBC and, and became involved if we left you thinking that this was really a story about Pam and I, because it's not. It's really about you and how you are transforming lives uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been blessed to see that transformation in lives uh, firsthand, uh, first in our son, uh, then in our, our daughter-in-law. And your efforts to make him known, to make Christ known, have had a profound impact. I know that's happening in so many other lives within your community. So as parents, we're just eternally grateful for all that you've done. As fellow believers, we're excited with you to see how God will use the Make Him Known campaign to transform lives and impact the community uh, for Christ. So thank you again for all you've done, for all you're doing, and just uh, God bless as you continue this effort forward. Thank you. And so as Phil and the worship team are about to lead us in singing, um, here's what we're going to do. Um, we, uh, those of you who are in person uh, here at Maine, same at, at East, you can come up to the front and drop your uh, commitment cards in the boxes whenever you're ready. Um, again, same process at UBC East. If you're online, again, now you can finish completing your commitment card online and just hit the submit button. But if you're here in person as we sing, I just want to make it clear, uh, this is a free will offering. We're not going to pass the boxes row by row. We're not going to dismiss you row by row and put some sort of pressure on you to come do that. Uh, you come on your own volition as the Lord leads you. We want 100% of us doing 100% of what the Lord calls us to do. So as your cards are being turned in, we're going to sing and lift our voices to the Lord. We're going to ascribe to him the glory that is due his name, as we just read in Psalm 96. And after that's done, our elder, one of our elders is going to come and lead us in a commitment prayer and then give you some information about next steps moving forward. So let's go ahead and sing and turn in our cards now.